This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Hello and welcome to Heritage Matters, a programme brought to you by the Southern Heritage Trust and sponsored by Ryman Healthcare. I'm Dougal Stevenson. And this week, we're doing something a little different. When the American corporation Mondelez closed the Cadbury's factory in Dunedin in March of 2018, it destroyed more than 350 jobs and a manufacturing tradition stretching back almost 150 years. But beneath the surface, the pain of the workers who not only lost their jobs but also the vibrant culture built around companionship with their workmates, went largely unnoticed. And that is until a local drama company called Talking House recorded interviews with some of the women who'd worked there, and in the process captured part of the world that had lost. Talking House selected excerpts from seven of those interviews, and using professional actresses' voices, turned it into this presentation, which is called... Bitter sweet. In, in the nineteen thirties, uh, Cadbury's uh, were looking for chocolate factories around the world after the war. So then they went, they went hunting to, I believe, Australia, and they went to Tasmania. I think they were looking for climate for the best climate for producing chocolate. So they found Claremont in Tasmania, and then they they obviously looked across at New Zealand and said, "Oh, look, there's another one on that side." So they took um, the Dunedin factory. So over the history, there was Hudson's, and Hudson's had a fantastic culture inside the, the factory as well. That's where it would have started, that whole family community. But then, of course, in came Cadbury's, and Cadbury's had an amazing culture over in Bourneville. So from what people may not know in New Zealand, in Bourneville, when they built the Bourneville factory, it was like a community. So they built houses for the people that worked inside the factory to actually to 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 live to live there right next to the chocolate factory and so in Bourneville apparently we've got an old photograph inside our house and there's pictures of tennis courts and swimming pools and all sorts of things so it was a real community people you know they lived and breathed Cadbury's basically and that's what we did inside the factory as well here in Dunedin the same culture then came across to New Zealand and that's where it grew. So in the 70s, when I was at high school, a friend of mine, her uh, father, was in the office at Cadbury's and he got us a job. And I remember, we're supposed to be 16, but actually we're only 15 at the time, but that was okay. And um, we used to catch the train from Mosgill and early morning walking down the streets, down Argyle Street in the dark to catch the train from Mosgill into the Dunedin Railway Station and then into Cadbury's. And I'll never forget going in there for the first time, that overwhelming smell of chocolate. It's just one of those things. It's a real nostalgic thing when you smell that chocolate. I started in 2000 
uh, and was there 17 years. So stayed there right till the last run on the pineapple lumps, third floor, which I thought was a good thing at the time to be last off, but, but got quite emotional towards the end. I'm, I'm getting a bit emotional talking about it. It started on the console line, hand-packing, hand-packing. So you'd have the trays in the top and you'd just pick your units. You'd have this specific unit to grab to fill. You might have two units on a tray in front of you and the belt would be going. So they give you a bit of a chance, quite slow when you first started. They give you a bit, but then you had to speed up with the line of the belts. And if you didn't cut it, <laughs> you know, you're off <laughs> or, or put somewhere else maybe. I started 2001, yeah, temp, yeah, I was a temp, and then I was on van camp at that stage, um, and, and then I shifted up to third floor in the November. Uh, God, that's precise. Oh, it must have been September. <laughs> and then, And then November I got made permanent because I remember that everybody else was disgruntled because it was a couple of other temporary workers that had been there a lot longer than I had. But, um, yeah, nah, I got made permanent. I was so pleased, so pleased. Always wanted to work on the machinery and learn that because I worked at Greg's before that and I liked the 40 hours of work and night shift was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Mm. And the people there, oh, they were really fun. Francie. Yeah, it was, so it was mm, such a cool yeah. shift. It was I such read. a cool floor. Ninety-eight. I started. My youngest had just started school. Two or two months of starting school. Yeah, and um, and so I started there, thinking it was temporary, but it ended up being you know twenty-one years. We started at quarter past four, and we finished at um quarter past twelve. Yeah, quarter past twelve. So, um, no, yeah, it was really good, wasn't it? Mm, and batch shift started at quarter past 12 till, till 8 or something. And yeah. then day shift started at 8 till we started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like Donna, I started off as a temp too. And um, ever since I was, was started, you know, everyone would sort of say at least two or three times a week, oh, Cadbury's is closing down. I thought, shit, better not be. I just bought a car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every year yeah, was the same. But, but every year was the same. Oh, Cadbury's is going to close down, you know. And then someone else would say, oh, don't be stupid. They've just spent a million dollars on a chocolate reactor. Yeah. You know, they're not going to shut that down. And I thought, well, it came here on a boat from somewhere else and reassembled it here. So it's nothing that can't be disassembled and, mm. and sent mm. somewhere else. I worked my way through... Um, starting off as a packer and then I became an operator. Then I um, became an enrober operator, which puts all the chocolate on the bars. So um, nine times out of ten, if there was any weekend work, um, I, I got chosen because if you didn't have an enrober operator, you, you couldn't, couldn't, you you couldn't, couldn't run. You couldn't run the line. I'm in my mid-90s. And I suppose I started when in about uh, be about forty five, fifty years ago, doing just part time, just part time, twilight shift. I think they called it those days. 
And I think we started about quarter to eight and we went on to about quarter to 11. I got home about quarter to 11, so I dare say about half past 10, I suppose, I finished. And um, we quite enjoyed going there. It was quite a bright place to work. We used to went into the, um, first of all, we went into the um, the room. We had to change clothes. We had to put on smocks. We had to wear smocks and hats. And we did, I did the mostly was the, the Christmas um, packing the biscuits for the fancy biscuits for Christmas. And in those days, when I was there, there was long benches around and they had um, the tins and unusually the tins where my husband worked at Gadsons at that stage. And they used to make the tins for the biscuits some nice sceneries on them, biscuits. They had, um, some had animals on, some had lovely sceneries. They were very nice, yes. And, uh, well, we did the Christmas packing of the biscuits and how they did it those days, I don't know, it may not have changed, but they used to have, what they did, they had the uh, tins underneath the bench, there's rows of people working, and um, they had paper that you put into the biscuit tins to put your biscuits in, and your biscuits was laid in front of you, and you had all the different tins with the different kinds of biscuits. Some had icing in them, some had chocolate, and there was plainer biscuits and chocolate chippy biscuits and all that. And as the tins emptied, you just put your hands up and they bring you a tin of what you want and put it in front of you. And they all had their different tins, you know. So, and then after that was done, we used to went around and... uh they put the lids on top, and I went to get them weighed then. They weighed the biscuits to see if it was the right amount of biscuits, and they always liked them to be slightly over, not too much over, and if it was too much over, you took a biscuit out. But you put a biscuit in if it's not quite the height. Then they went on to the next part where they sealed them. Then they sealed the tins, and then they were put on these planks and piled up the tins, and I dare say that's when they went to the shops. So they used to call us back when it was getting near time for Christmas, about August, I think, around about August when they started doing that. And uh, it was quite enjoyable. I quite enjoyed it. And I had three wee children at the time looking after. So, And I had to promise them. I don't know whether I should be saying this, but you were allowed to take a chocolate as long as it was on the floor. You weren't allowed to take them home with you. But I used to say to my sister, my girlfriend, Oh, the wee ones, I said, they're going to be so good for Grandad tonight, as long as there's a wee chocolate on the pillar. So I used to get them. She used to take one. I used to take two. But you were allowed to eat them while you were there. That was the funny part. So I'd pop them in my pocket, take them home, and there was their chocolates by the bed. I started on the uh, second floor on night shift, and um, I worked there 17 years, and the first... When I first started there, they put me down on a production line down in Hollow Exit it was. We were making these, oh gosh, we were making these tiny, tiny little Frito frogs. And they were like the, the size of your fingernail, these little tiny Frito frogs. And they were going into the tip-top ice cream. Anyway, they made these little units and it kind of went off for a little while like a big trend and then it sort of died out and um, so it was a bit of a fad thing that they did They yeah, with production and then from there they moved me up to um, cream eggs. So we worked on the cream eggs line for a little while, which, yeah, gosh, I hated cream eggs. Um, it was... <laughs> 
was it was it sucked sorry it was awful so luckily i was luckily they moved me onto a new line which was the back 100 which was a high speed rapping machine from england yeah, so it was great. We were wrapping like little units and stuff like that. So we did that for a period of time, uh, little moros. So that was cool, fun. And then far out, there was so much overtime. We were like going to like every night to like four o'clock in the morning. So this is when I first started back in the early 2000s. And it was like, what's going on? It's like four o'clock in the morning on these production lines every night. It's like, can you stay at a four? Yeah, no problem. Because it was all double time and a half and then double time. So it was fantastic. They really looked after you. And um, it wasn't hard work. Like we had a motto inside the factory uh, to, you know, there's no point making life hard for yourself. So we had this motto to try and make it as easy as we possibly could. People were smart. They would watch each other and see how they would actually, you know, do something on the production line and see someone else doing it. And then they would turn around and go, yeah, that's that works better. And they would adapt it and adapt it and adapt it until they had it running so smooth and so efficiently. Yeah, they were smart people. You're listening to the drama Bittersweet on Heritage Matters. Bittersweet was created by the production company Talking House and it's based on interviews done with the Cadbury workers who were laid off in March of 2018. When I first started there, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know what was expected of me and I bloody hated it. Mm. I went home the first few nights and I cried my eyes out. I thought, you bitches. I was determined I wasn't going to cry in front of them. Mm. But... They they were all in their we we cliques, you know, and I thought surely there must be an easier way to do this, and and of course no one was going to show me, so I watched what they did, and just copied what they did, and, and managed to get through the shift, and you know, after about a week, it got a lot easier. Because when I became a leading hand, because I worked all my way up to leading hand of the of the layouts. Um, I, I was determined that anybody new coming on the floor, I'd take them under my wing and I'd show them where the toilets were and, you mm. know, this is – and took them to the cafeteria. This is where we have smoko and this is what's expected of you and if the line breaks um, down for any reason, um, pick up the broom and sweep the floor or there's always a job mm. you could be doing. You know, don't just stand around looking around – no, you know, mm. we're thinking, what will I do? do? Do you know one night there was overtime on on the third floor and I must have been on the fourth floor at that stage working because I did two years up there and you walked down with Margaret, Jenna and I and um, Jackie looked and goes, oh, and you said, I know, it's all I could find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 As if to say, yeah. Couldn't you find anything yeah, better? No. <laughs> oh, oh, used to make us feel two. quite special. <laughs> so I started off in the flake room and um, had no idea what that involved, but, yeah, that's where I started. And I actually have quite a bit of respect for um, how those flakes are made now. <laughs> um, the most hideous job I did in that room was on a thing called the compressor. 
We're standing over a conveyor belt, and as the chocolate's rolling, coming off the big wheel, and making it go all wiggly and zigzaggy, to have to stand there with these two great big boards and compress it on the sides and on the top, on the side and on the top, for one hour, and it was back-breaking, exhausting work, and I hated it. <laughs> anyway, after a while, I got promoted out of the flake room, school holiday job, got promoted out of the flake room, and so for the last few years of working at Cadbury's, and I'm talking about in the 70s, I was in the Easter egg room and enjoyed being on the conveyor belt again and getting the two halves of the hollow Easter eggs, putting them on a little hot plate, sticking them together, and then sending them down the line. So that was pretty cool. Oh, and also filling the moulds. We had to pull the little wheel around, and it would put the required amount of chocolate into the moulds. That was another job I enjoyed. From running the Pack 100, we went across to the Mikravirk, which is the big moulding plant. And the Mikravirk had such a, um, wow, she, in them days, she was number one in the factory. So if something went wrong on that plant and engineering was called, they all came running to her because she was the plant they had to keep going because she's making all the money. Uh, and then, of course, then you had the DSTs and they wrapped all the, um, like the king size and uh, the 180 gram bars. And then you had the Versaflows. And the Versaflows were high, in them days, they were like our high-speed wrappers. Uh, I believe that the Versaflows were made made to, like, uh, to create or or um, to make an, a new mission for the wars or something like that. Yeah, they, they were, yeah, they, yeah, very, very old machines. We had a lot of old, old machines inside the factory. They, they were great, the Versaflows. They were so cool um, to wrap on. And we'd be packing chunky and feeding them in and stuff like that. And it was great. But at the end, of, it was hard work, though, really hard work. By the end of your shift, you were you were in, like, so much pain, so much pain. It felt like someone had got a knife and sort of stabbed you in the back because, like, between the shoulder blades, it was so sore when you're packing chunky and the last position that you're in waiting for bat shift to come on the production line. And because you'd be, we changed every half an hour uh, for health and safety reasons so that staff got a, a movement off their position. And um, some, some lines we did it every 15 minutes because it was so hard and full on on the body. And yeah, but that last position you were stuck there for longer than 45, like here, longer than 45, because you're waiting on bat shift to come on the line. So you're like, oh, God. And then when they did finally get on the production line, once you walked off, you had relief, so the pain disappeared. Yeah. But, um, yeah, eggs downstairs was kind of similar as well. The same description of having it was hard on your back doing the work. But, I mean, people loved it. People loved the culture and that. So they never, you know, once you got off the line, you were fine kind of thing. And there's always Voltaren <laughs> to get you through the day. <laughs> On the other side of that floor, you had the rappers, rapping, which I eventually got to be a rapper. You know, you try and work your way up. I guess I start everyone off in the console line, maybe. Um, and then... 
on that floor, they had the NID where they made the chocolates as well, coming down the belt. Um, so there were there were different things that you could oh, and and we had the roses line as well, sort of thing, which was on, on the other side. So there was quite a bit going on on the fourth floor. So um, after probably a couple of years on the console, I went to uh, be a rapper. So that was manual handling. You own your machine and you had to put one lolly in at a time. You had a belt going around on a circle, just duh, 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 putting, your, you know, one lolly in at a time. It was crazy. When you think about it now, from when we finished to being automated, with them all going to a machine very fast. Um, yeah. But um, I'd done that for a year, and then I got called up to the office, and uh, I really enjoyed it, but it was quite cool. You had your own target to do, your own machine. You, you boxed it all up yourself. No one bothered you, which was, which, which was quite good. So I did that, and then I got called to the office about a year, almost a year. And my boss said, look, Teresa, you, you haven't – since you've started, you haven't actually been hitting your targets. Um, if you can't can't start hitting targets, we're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to find another place in the factory to work. And from that moment on, boom, I was knocking out the targets. You know, maybe it's all I needed was that push. Uh, but uh, but then I become a pretty good rapper, you know, um, and onto a trainer, and then onto a leading hand of all the rappers. So um, I, I was quite, I, I was good at at, at producing it, rapping it. Um, boxing it up and started training and my boss was really happy and we never really got on at first for a while and then um because I spoke up because I said but um yeah actually it wasn't till that day that she sort of gave me that push that I yeah there was no looking back so I was good and ended up being a leading hand um, when we did Crunchy, oh, God, it was like my nightmare. I used to cry about it every time I was put in there. Oh, I love Crunchy. Crunchy was hard going. It was, it was just only because it was so yucky and sticky. And so if you sat with your legs crossed at tea time and you go to get up, you can't part your legs. They go. It's like hairspray. It's like, at the end of the well, not even at the end of the night, but halfway through your shift, you'd be covered in a fine. Oh, yeah. Like. Crystals. Yellow dust. <laughs> and, and it was sticky. I used to, and, used to run downstairs. Into, into your eyelashes and your, your hat would stiffen up and it was just crunchy dust. I would run downstairs at tea time, take off my top, have a sponge bath, change my hat, wash my face, put moisturiser on. She's very fussy. Oh, so sticky. <laughs> when, when the machine used to break down, we used to go out to the engineer's room and go, hello. <laughs> and they used to like. No yeah. one's here. Oh, oh, God, what does she want now? The engineers were so lovely, every but, one of them. But we all had knives, for you know, like for various things, opening like boxes. opening boxes and cutting string and, you know, doing stuff. And um, I remember one of the engineers engraved Moro Goddess on mine. Yeah. Did you get anything engraved on yours? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you would have had the, you had the same. Mm-hmm. No. This is stupid. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure it was never stupid. It was stupid. Oh, hang on. <laughs> on on reflection, it probably yeah, was. You even put it on my earmuffs. Because when we had a tour going through, uh, we were out in Robag one day and the tour stopped and um, 
And I said to my friend across, I said, Helen, what are they looking at? And she goes, they're reading your earmuffs. And they were laughing. And one time I was down on second floor working, well, running this machine. And I said, call one of the engineers over. I said, it's not crimping. It just won't crimp. And anyway, he looked inside and here's my knife going. (laughs) (laughs) So he took it out, read the name. Yeah. yeah. Some things we caught before we made total dicks of ourselves, (laughs) (laughs) like getting an engineer. Yeah, but yeah, it was so, yeah, it was just so much fun. If anything happened or broke down up the line further, you, you, you can't just, you know, cut the, stop the whole line down. Making and still keeps making and it keeps going and it keeps going and it keeps coming until they solve the problem and it's all back up and running. Mm. It, it, it wasn't a five-minute fix if you wanted to stop it. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. well Crunchy, you, you couldn't stop. And when there was fire alarms, you can imagine what the mess the was. The mess that we'd come mm. back to because... Belt just kept running. Yeah. You just had to walk away and let it go. We hated doing that. Hated it because it was a waste. <laughs> yeah, the 22 Bs, that, that's for the hand wrappers. We still had the old, trying to think what the word is now, goodness me, GDs. The old GDs. So they were the ones that you put the tray on, which was still pretty manual. You're still probably only doing... Four and a half pallets in your shift, whereas on the hand packing you'd be only doing a pallet and a half. And then by the time we'd finished and we're doing the automated wrapping, where you got it all coming down the line, you're doing like fourteen pallets. So there's a huge difference in the seventeen years in the you know product output. The interviews with the Cadbury workers in Bittersweet were voiced by Cheryl Amos, Karen Elliott, Claire Adams and Jodie Bate. The director was Karen Elliott. Part two of Bittersweet will be played in our next programme. This programme, which will be repeated on Sunday at 7pm, is kindly sponsored by Ryman Healthcare and brought to you by the Southern Heritage Trust. Ryman Healthcare prides itself on offering some of the most resident-friendly terms in New Zealand. Ryman Healthcare's Francis Hodgkins and Yvette Williams Retirement Villages in Dunedin offer the very best of retirement living and care. For more information and to discuss your retirement living options, please phone Kate on 455-7936. Ryman Healthcare. Supporting Southern Heritage Trust and the Heritage Matters Programme. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.